Calm down, Nibbles. He'll be here soon. Sorry I'm late. I had to go back in time to give Alistair Crowley the Book of the Law. It's a pain trying to disguise yourself as an etheric being. You are an etheric being, J-Clone 666. You were fortunate enough that enough J-Clones were created until one with the capacity to carry your existence was manufactured. It is a nice synthetic flesh container, I must admit. Help! You still have him alive? I thought you would have fed him to Nibbles by now. He still serves a purpose. Outside of everyone thinking he never leaves the Smithsonian for work, I send him out periodically to integrate with society to keep up the illusion he does all of this on his own free will. Help! 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 Let me out of here! Shut up now, Jay. You don't want me to send nibbles over there to keep you company now, do you? Do you have the device? Yes, I merged it with my biometric mainframe. It will be easy to connect to Justin's house once he and the Kill the Mockingbirds crew start to record their latest episode. And does Justin think that his latest electronic malfunctions are due to Joe's fallen angel watchers? Of course. <laughs> All the while, I am the emissary that they should have been looking out for the whole time. Stave your arrogance for when we win, J-Clone 666. As pathetic as they look, they're more formidable than meets the eye. I am not worried about these flesh containers in the slightest. Once I have completed the merge today, we will be closer to our goal. You mean my goal. Right, right, your goal. I have charged enough sporic energy for you to pass into their dimension. I'm off. J-Clone 666? Yes, Mr. Fungus? Don't screw this up. It's not in my programming, sir. Make it so! <laughs> Am I tripping? Mysteries of the universe. Organic UFOs. As above, so below. I'm feeling like a cloud so high. Floating around in the sky. They're all mushrooms. Join me now on this ride. Mushroom communication system. Kaleidoscope's blended with matrix. We're drifting through time. Before the earth was around, thoughts of a sentient mind. Was that? Hey, can you guys uh, check your internet or something real quick? Make sure that everything's working. Yeah, that was weird. I don't know. Uh, uh, it, 
I don't know. It looks better on our end now. Yeah, it looks like everything dropped out. Yeah, it was like glitching up. That's weird. Yeah, it was kind of glitching up. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll cut right into it. What's up, guys? This is Joel Thomas and Sean Chris from Kill the Mockingbirds. We've got Justin and J Clone six six six. Yeah, what a weird number. Hey guys, it's, it's just Jay. It's just Jay here. Don't get caught up in a number. It's just a number. You had something stuck in your throat there for a second. What was that going on? Oh, uh, water went down the wrong pipe. Oh, okay. Okie dokie. Introducing J Clone 666. Uh oh, now the Christians are tuning out. I love Iron Maiden. <laughs> I bet you do, J Clone 666. Love Iron Maiden. That just sounds like there's just something about them that just. It just, it tickles my fancy. Ah. Ah. Well, since he's 666, he probably also loves Taylor Swift, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, some things are just a, even too evil for me. <laughs> so yeah, guys. Even too- Welcome back. Uh, Floating Mushroom. It's the four of us. We're ready to go with a really fun episode today. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about time travel today, and we thought this would be a really fun episode. But before we get to that, we'll have Justin and Jay give us all the socials, everything up front. You know how we do here at Floating Mushroom. Yeah. Five-star review right now. Right now. Leave a comment. Five-star review right now. Uh, well, that's what they do, so I'm trying to be better about it. <laughs> Bill just screams at people and it works. It works. I see it work. Uh, no. Yeah. Crimson corn uh, on all social medias. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are kind of our two major ones. Uh, Jay confirms to me that the telegram is, is has all kinds of posts and all kinds of stuff. Telegram right? is buzzing. So yeah. jump yeah. over our telegram. You'll see my last post from last year in May, I think. <laughs> It's a year and a half. You say a poach? Uh, get Are you poaching YouTube posts? <laughs> mm-hmm. you get on our YouTube because lawn chair documentaries are being filmed, are being edited currently as this episode is out. So soon. What? Soon. Soon. What is Simba. that coming out behind that hair flap? It like horns. What is that? That was weird. Uh, just hair. It's like that. It's like the. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh gosh. It's, I no. slept funky. All right. Carrie, Jim Carrey's oh, movie. Ace Ventura Two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> little little nubs. You guys, little nubs growing. <laughs> yeah, my protuberances. Protuberances. <laughs> I should talk. I gotta stop teaching you words. I knew that one. Oh, did you? Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much all the socials. We have Patreon. Uh, there's all kinds. There's like a hundred episodes on Patreon now, or something stupid. And then we do like the Patreon live streams and all kinds of fun stuff the game nights we also do in august if this comes out before august i think we're aiming to do uh decalcification of our pineal glands for patreon night so were y'all using (laughs) iodine it's patreon secrets no, you want those glands calcified. I bet they, I bet you do, you do J Clone six six six. I bet you want everybody's third <laughs> eye blocked. Sounds like something you do. 
He's like, drink more, drink more tap water. <laughs> yes. Just, tap just, water is yeah. good for your right, body. Right out the And tap. you know, you can find us at killthemockingbirds.com on all podcast streaming platforms, but I would suggest go to killthemockingbirds.com. Best place to find the podcast and get the listens in and follow us. Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram. Vantessa music on Instagram. Sean Chris music on Instagram. And our telegram is not very active. <laughs> yeah, all I post on there is the new episodes when they come out, generally yeah, speaking, just so people know. And uh, right Can't now, guys, everywhere, man. <laughs> just like Justin said, right now, Go to Apple Music. Go to Spotify. Give us a five-star review. Go to Spotify. We do polls every week. You can join in on a cool, fun poll. You can give us comments there. You can give us comments on Apple. Do it. It runs up the algorithm. It puts it deeper in there. So guys like Clone666 over here can't block us from getting the info to all the people that we're supposed to get it to. So go do it right now. It's super simple. You can give us both a five-star review right now while you're listening. It's so easy. Right now. And Justin right said now. that you sound like, nine, 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 nine. <laughs> 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 oh. Right now. Go get to the podcast right now. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need that as a sound clip. Get to the podcast right now. <laughs> We are asking the big questions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, this is the one that gets us taken down. Oh, we had a good run. So let's just get into it then. Well, obviously. <laughs> oh, the baby is definitely awake now. Just so everybody knows. The baby is definitely awake. No, time travel. How exciting. And I'm going to use this whole episode to screw with Joel, mostly. I mean, that's pretty much all we're doing. Is it, At least I'm doing. I heard that's the whole reason why you decided uh, to join this podcast. You were like, yeah, we'll join up with you so I could just get on your case every second I can. <laughs> exactly. It was a devious <laughs> trap. Now that we've got people loving this thing, we got to keep doing it. Yes, yeah, I love how Justin has. Uh, I have a, a an infant face. Like look at his face right now with the coffee. Like you'll be like, "Oh, you're drinking heavy." Nah, you got an infant. <laughs> Both moonshine. It's 10 a.m. Got a jar of moonshine and coffee on the table. Need a, He's Alan, right? What'd you say? He's he didn't Alan. Sleep. Yeah, Alan from The Hangover. All I imagine sleep. Justin with a, oh, his gosh, baby yeah. strapped to his chest, walking around a live event with a beer in both hands, double fisting. <laughs> that it will be what happens. I mean, I already have the baby harness. I walk around with him all the time because I kind of do stuff with like, I'm like, just stay here. And he's obsessed with like skin to skin contact. Like he, that's the only time he's screaming is when he's not physically touching you in some way, shape or form. So the best way to move around the house is literally just to have him taped to your chest. <laughs> so you can still do stuff. Will it be better if he had like uh, one of those old school helmets with the two beer cans on the side with the straws in his mouth. <laughs> then he's got free hands go. to do anything. I, I, a, long, <laughs> a long time ago, I bought my adopted brother one of those that had a six pack. Oh, on the oh head. my God. <laughs> it was a whole six pack. I remember the first time he tried it, he looked down and all the beer just dumped. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's going to be a long episode. I'm tired, boys, but 
with the ability of time travel, I'll go back and sleep in the past and then come back to the present. And still be awake. Uh, <laughs> and still be awake. Uh, no, I want to do the uh, the modern like physics and how they aren't like time travel is. We can do time travel right now uh, in a sense with time dilation. The time dilation is that basically we can all experience time differently depending on where we are in the boy in the universe and space and earth or whatever. Uh, but time, so you can travel in the future with this. You cannot travel in the past and you cannot go backwards. So it's kind of a one way ticket. So everybody at home, it's like if you go on the international space station or you go out into actual space, you know, out of, or out of a gravitational pull, you start aging much slower. Time starts passing for you much slower. Uh, and you don't re- like you don't feel it. And then on Earth, you know, time to you is going faster and faster and faster. And the f- closer you get to light speed, the faster time travels around you. So in theoreticals, you know, you could be going light speed and do a couple of loops and the whole universe has aged rapidly around you. So you're actually, from your perspective, traveling forward in time uh, from everybody else's perspective is you're just going in big circles in space for a million years. And that's kind of like, that's the very, very simplified version of time dilation and space travel. There you go. Then I have, then I have other stuff for you, but that's kind of like that first big thing. And you can go into this, like that kind of connects a little bit to what I got. Like, so there's a bunch of like, obviously you could go on TikTok. There's a million people that claim to be a time traveler. There's uh people on YouTube. It's a, a, a pretty big, uh, I mean, we should have probably done it because there's a lot of people that follow them and maybe they get money for it. So <laughs> it's a good ploy, but then a lot of them gets uh, caught up. Like I know there was a bunch of people like commenting like crazy on one of these guys that claimed to be a time traveler. They're like, why don't you warn us about 2020, man? Because <laughs> it's a video. But one of the most interesting cases is a man by Sergio. I'm going to butcher his name. It's like yes. Sergio. Panamamarkanikaro. <laughs> That's how Panama, I would pronounce it. Whatever. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes or something, and you'll be able to uh, pronunciate yourself. But the, the man from Kiev, he showed up in Kiev in 2006, claiming to be from the years years in the past. He was claiming to be born in 1932. That he held Soviet documents from the 50s, had photographs on an old camera that of him being 25 years old and he was older at this time and he proceeded to show pictures to the the police uh they went down this whole rabbit hole he had a girlfriend there was also the a man by the name same name in that same region that was missing around that exact same time so they were looking into it it's one of the most and when they saw the pictures it was all old pictures so from back in the 50s with that same girl they tracked down the actual girlfriend and He's uh, like she said that he showed pictures. So there's this whole thing of him time traveling. It's one of the most talked about cases that relevancy. And there's also another guy named Adam Adam Akron Akron or man. Look, I don't do the names. All right, guys. Akon? <laughs> it's Akon. Nah, it's like Arch Connor. So yeah, Akon. You know, Akon was a time traveler. <laughs> it makes sense now. But I haven't slept in four days, so a lot of stuff makes well, sense. Well, infamous, he infamously took a, a lie detector test, and, and he passed a lot of the stuff. So what I'm saying is there is a little bit of substance to what Justin's saying, because most of the people that have the most realistic uh, stories 
came from the past. Like, right? There's no, like, or, or like, they can only go so far, like, one direction, it seems like. But what that gave me this theory was, because when I was going through, like, all these different time travels, I was looking at the phenomenon ball lightning, right? You know what ball lightning is, Justin, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. basically, it almost looks like an orb. It's like, you know, basically a ball of lightning that like can be small, but kind of big. It's a, a strange phenomenon that when something of the pressures of uh, of the storm and like, you know, the uh, moisture in the air, whatever happens, it creates this uh, sphere like lightning that goes through. And so it got me thinking that this is a phenomenon that has something to do with either I was at first thinking like aliens, but then I started thinking, what if it has to do with like time travel? Like if that is the vehicle per se that you are traveling in to get to these different points in time. And maybe this phenomenon is like, cause with this guy, Sergio, he didn't really know. He seemed like he was unaware. What if it just takes you there? Like it's almost like a time traveling portal. That's kind of like what I got out of it. Hey, well, thanks hey, for ruining my end, Jay. Why is why is Jay's yeah. fingers like tapping into the socket over there? What's going on over there? What are you doing? What, what, you guys don't need to know what's going on over here. I yeah. never look at him because no, he's on the other like, side of the studio. As, uh, Sean started connecting this like sphere-like light into time travel. It was like something electronic went off, and there were literally like some like cords or something that came out of your fingers and went into the socket over there they're, they're gone now i saw it man did you see it justin i didn't i was looking at you guys he's half asleep though you gotta you know the one that's always <laughs> I, I, I feel I like the crazy awake. one because well, you're looking at him. I'm I'm looking at you guys. Maybe you are the. You ever think that maybe you are the crazy one? I mean, oh, has it ever entered be. your you mind? I mean, checked out. Yeah, there's some doctors. I know a lot of medical doctors that would <laughs> approve my, this theory of you being the crazy one. And you know, I've seen medical studies throughout the throughout the board. You know, that's just been confirmed and peer reviewed. Doctor, <laughs> they have all said that you're probably crazy. I've got some pills if you'd like you to do. take them. I bet you You're do. So suicidal. I got a whole arraignment. Um, I mean, I, we can, we can, I can get you anything you want from uh, Big Pharma. <laughs> I bet oh he's gosh. got a, a literal pharmacy uh, behind that hair flap. <laughs> probably. I know he hands me pills all the time, and I just take them. Right, I gotta keep you in a in a sedated yeah, state of mind. A week trying to de- decalcify your pineal, man. After all the stuff J Clone Six 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 been giving you, I got calcium coming out of my nose. Actually, it's weird. I don't understand what's happening. Uh, but no, Sean, you burst my bubble. You're right on it. Well, I think I think you're. Uh, so ball lightning is a phenomenon that's never actually been explained. Like, as in recorded. Tons of witnesses have seen it, including one of the world's leading uh, lightning scientists. I, I forget the actual terminology for that. But he actually witnessed it as he was uh, jogging through a stadium. He was doing his laps, and it came through, like, the gates, like a person. Came through, kind of, like, hopped through the air, went all the way through the middle of the stadium, and then shot straight up into the sky. And he's like, I would never believe in ball lightning if I didn't see it myself. And he's like, I still can't explain it. And they do that kind of where they have a theory, but it's never been fully documented. I do think there are these migrating portals like that that do cause these slips in time. 
whether it's from a different dimension, like it's a little off kilter from us or whatever, or it's actually our timeline. So for the time, time's a hard thing for humans to rationalize, especially long term. Uh, the best way I found was a toilet paper tube. Uh, that everything inside the toilet paper tube is our is is time in our universe. The outside you can't get to normally, and it's like a straight line as far as humans can observe it. But something can pop out of the one end of the toilet paper tube and then go around real quickly and get to somewhere else in the toilet paper tube. Uh, I know that's a really hard explanation for everybody at home to kind of get, but that's it's it's hard to explain. Time. But you can see these uh, balls of lightning now on all on YouTube oh yeah. and TikTok. You search it up and you see the phenomena and it's different sizes. Like it also, you know, it could be some kind of entity thing, but it just time slips because like. And do they, does, does it have any connection with these particle accelerators? Or I kind of started connecting it with the Montauk project, you know, like the whole <clears throat> stranger things. So is it some kind of experiment that got out of control that like, you know, they found, they figured out how to like create portals or create time slips or create time travel. But it makes sense to me that you could figure it out, but you can't harness it. Right. Like, you know how they, uh, that happens most of the time with these experiments. They're like, Oh yeah, you know, they do get it to go, but it doesn't go exactly the way they want. And they can't harness it because it's something they don't understand. Cause it's hard to understand time. The concept of time is, is, is very weird because it's kind of made up, right? Like when we talk about a human beings, we've decided that at 24 hours is in a day. So that's why it, confuses us when we say time travel doesn't necessarily mean the actual time like that's where it slips everybody and they it, go watch the flash or something i don't know what to tell you like, <laughs> well then that's the what i was saying because the flash when he time travels you know he runs so fast and he's like a burst of lightning that and that's what kind of got me connecting with that whole ball of lightning where i'm like man that time travel ball of lightning like is that it and even in uh, back to the future they needed lightning to go to the future you know what i'm saying like it's just something with it and then what about when ben franklin you know discovered uh, uh what's it called uh what they say electricity with the maybe he didn't discover electricity he maybe that discovery was a time travel and that's where we get the dominance of america right because <laughs> he was in that inner circle so it's just something that to me connects a lot with time travel and like i said that montage project i think that's just another piece to it later on because that's where it's like we're talking about slipping in dimensional shit Hey, check this out. So you were talking about movies, and we always talk about soft disclosure on here. And I see uh, J Clone Six 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 perked up when I said that. Um, <laughs> the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of their biggest uh, things that they've been de delving into for the past, you know, phase is the multiverse. And one of the groups is called the TVA, and they actually track any kind of variances in all these universes and it actually operates a lot like your tube justin the way that they talk about time and the way that they move in and out and if they see some sort of variance this tva will show up in that universe in that time period and fix it before it it, it deviates the timeline from where it's supposed to go it's like they're the they're the time police and they watch over it and i wonder in some ways if these movies are putting out information about things that they know behind the scenes, because we do know there's parallel universes. We do know that there is a lot more than just our universe. So I think that there is a, a lot of validity to a lot of these movies that come out. They're just showing us what's kind of already going on behind the scenes. 
I do agree with you, Sean. I think these balls of light could be uh, time traveling portals. Think about this. In those movies, you have these like portals that come and drop. And think about Terminator. Think about yep. Terminator when, 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 when he comes from the future to the past, he comes in a ball of light. It's lightning. It actually mm-hmm. opens up and then it disappears and then he's there or whatever of the uh, Terminators that come from the future come back. So it's the same thing. You see it over and over again in these movies. And I think there's something to it. So what have I told you that monsters are using these probably organic time portals to pop up on the earth from time to time. True behemoths that are, would be quite frightening to run into. Do you yeah. guys want me to tell you a story? Okay. I'm going to take you all the way back to 1903. And this is in Partridge Creek Valley in Northern Canada in the Yukon. James Lewis and Tom Lee Moore were hunting moose near a clearing as they, they spot this little herd of moose. As they're getting ready to take the shot, a gigantic 25-foot-tall beast runs out, grabs one of the moose in its jaws, and just crushes it. They have never seen anything like this. This beast is tall, two-legged, feathered, big teeth, and it starts dragging this moose. The moose doesn't even touch the ground. It's so large. So it's taking this moose, and they follow this creature because they've never seen anything like it. And as they follow it, they follow the, the tracks and the blood from the moose. Everything disappears. doesn't go into a cave doesn't go it's like in the middle of a clearing so this is the partridge creek beast it is described as a giant theropod dinosaur and it's been seen from 1853 all the way up to 1999 and it has this common thread of it shows up it hunts and then it just disappears in the middle of its trackway uh it's had hundreds of witnesses over the last couple centuries um and it loves moose and it loves elk and that's what people describe it as is like Anything that can carry off an adult moose without it touching the ground is a very large animal. So these early descriptions from the 1850s to the 1903 one were feathered dinosaurs. Very, very similar to like what we understand now. Most theropods were probably fully feathered or at least partially feathered. They were describing this thing well before, right as the dinosaur, as you guys were talking about in your show or no, not your show on Joel, you were talking about the mm-hmm. bone wars and all that. Uh, right it's right at that apex. So they didn't even know like that dinosaurs maybe had feathers. Like that wasn't a thought in the zeitgeist for that. So they were seeing this animal. They could not describe. They had so much trouble. One of the descriptions kind of paints it as a very colorful, large duck mixed with a crocodile. They're like, I don't know how else to describe it. You know, it's like it was feathered and it was big and it was eating elk and moose. Uh, And it's still seen to this day. I mean, well, 1999 was the last kind of one. Uh, actually, there was another one in another valley close by in 2012. So this is, seems to be a reoccurring, if you want to go our kind of time travel angle, to where these portals may be opening up a creature with a highly derived sense of smell, maybe taking advantage of an invisible portal, being like, okay, I can smell easy prey on the other side of this quote-unquote door, pop in, grab it, and then walk back through because it's not using its eyesight to get back home. It's using its sense of smell. So we think that these are like doors that are opening and closing. Even if we can't see them, maybe with the naked eye, it can smell home. It can smell food. It's going in and out. Uh, but so that's the Partridge Creek beast. We did a whole Patreon episode on it. Cause it's, there's a lot like there's hundreds and hundreds of sightings. It's even been connected to the headless Valley uh, up there in the Yukon 
which is the valley where everybody's heads go missing for some reason. Just bodies. And then that's where hey, now that's are also very, seen. That's and then very Nephilim-like, man, because a lot of these Nephilim tribes would uh, take heads off as trophies. Stop it. So Stop they, it. Hey, Leave they would take alone. heads off as trophies in these areas. So I wonder if that particular area that you're talking about in the Yukon there could be some sort of Nephilim tribe, maybe underground that's coming up and hunting people in that area. People, people don't get that about the Yukon is it's yeah. literally, there's nobody lives there. Like there's nothing like it, it's, there's pristine giant valleys of forest and giant lakes and these massive ecosystems that humans do not live in. I mean, there's a small population of people probably everywhere on the planet. But when we're talking about like these Yukon valleys, uh, there's nobody up there. You know, maybe for every hundred thousand square miles, there's probably 15 or 20 people. Uh, so I, if there's something like that, I could definitely see that would be a spot. We talk about living mammoths on the show and that's where the spots people claimed is when they actually go into these valleys that people don't go into, they actually get to see mammoths, but these theropods keep popping up. And then there's dinosaurs, the sightings that pop up all over the world and they just don't seem to have any, like, uh, there's the, the, uh, rhino killer of Africa that is described as a naked theropod. So more like your mm. Jurassic park T-Rex, you know, no feathers or nothing like that, but it's seen carrying off rhinos and then it just kind of disappears. And then there's the whole uh, pterosaur thing. So pterosaurs are seen everywhere on the planet. So everybody at home, that's the flying reptiles that live during the dinosaurs. You know, they can be small, like bat size. They can be all the way up to size of 40 foot wingspan, you know, size of a small plane, but they're still seen constantly to this day. So there's a theorist that, por- uh, that, that describes these portals would most likely uh, appear off the ground. They wouldn't be at ground level on most of the planet. So if you're a flying reptile and they're up in the air, you may fly through these on accident and wind up in a completely you different area. Happened at the uh, Bermuda that's Triangle. No- I think so. There could be a lot of that. The Bermuda Triangle has so the like the the documented magnetic anomalies is, is crazy. Like it's the biggest magnetic anomaly on the planet. And that's not what's causing the weirdness, but that's a symptom. So, you know, there's something else going on because it's the largest magnetic anomaly on the planet. It's like you guys, when you went out West, yeah. with all the magnetic anomalies, you know, that we, we talked about on that map and stuff like that, that it's, it's weird. It's not the cause, but it's a symptom of something else that's going on. So that's kind of my little shtick is that dinosaurs are time travelers but probably not willing. They're probably uh, walking through or flying through these portals, even though pterosaurs aren't dinosaurs. I know and I'll, I'll just add to Justin's hashtag team. Dinosaurs are real. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> and for the record, I've never said they dinosaurs weren't real. I just have questions about what they really are. And I don't think any of us really know. So I think sure, that, sure, sure. Well, we had an episode with AI right now uh, that, that we just dropped and we came up with a theory that, Dinosaurs are just Nephilim and furries, furry Nephilims. You know what I mean? They're just <laughs> furries, bro. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> All right, you guys, this is the last floating mushroom ever. I can't physically handle it anymore. You see how much coffee I'm putting in this coffee to even be here? I wonder what those uh, furry parties are like with the Nephilim <sighs> and dinosaurs. Well, we know how big T Rex is. Wayne knows exactly <laughs> what they are. He knows what, he, what they are oh, and he, he knows. won't tell us. That's what I hate about these clones, man. They come out with these smug, these smug looks on their faces, and then they'll throw out some disinformation the whole time they're sitting here, and then they sit back with that smug look, like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna have them run around chasing their tails." 
Yeah. But I think Justin's right, though, because to like uh, Nessie, you know what I mean? Like all these things like this, like I think creatures are just accidentally. It's not like they're willingly going like, hey, let me just, it's just these balls of lightning are just ball lightning just floats around, man. And it, I they even have one video on TikTok where it's like a little ball and it's floating through someone's house. So that I was like, if it hits you, I was like, what happens? Nobody knows, right? You're not going to touch it. You're going to be like, hey, let me, someone would. But I'm just saying most all the people videotaping it, uh, recording it are not trying to touch it. I dated myself right there with the videotape it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean, there's actually been a video of one of those ball lightnings going through a glass mm. window and the glass actually oh. became irradiated. And they have that at the uh, oh, somebody's paranormal museum, down on, the big one in Florida. They actually have it and they have a little Geiger counter. You can kind of wave. It's not like a dangerous level. But it's where it is irradiated. There, there is a lot more than background radiation there. It's still at a safe to be around, you know, for a short period of time level. But so there are there, there are poured out radiation, and there's actually a whole show built around that concept with dinosaurs and ancient animals and even future mm. animals with these traveling portals. It's called Primeval, uh, where animals would just like there'd be a mosasaur in the middle of a lake in England. Like a gigantic marine reptile, and nobody knows how it got there, and it would be there terrorizing. Like, it's nothing you don't expect. And then, like, a Giganotosaurus would be like in downtown New York because it's like, and it's getting worse and worse and worse because humans were interfering with the natural portals. Like, we were kind of talking about that these may be a natural phenomena that humans may be actually grabbing and trying to rein in. But the problem with that is, uh, the earth has always won, yeah. will always win. And especially with a weirder, more paranormal phenomena, when you start trying to mess with it, you may you may open doors you and can't. And explain close. some of the extinct species that have like magically just reappeared. You know, there are species that were gone for a long time, and they magically like, oh man, we discovered that we still have one. Like, not that they couldn't be hiding, but I I, I really just love that concept. When I ran into ball lightning, I was like, wow, man, this has to be something that's important to time travel of some kind of time slip or some kind of traveling of dimensions of some sort. I think I could actually merge a couple of my ideas too about dinosaurs into what Justin said as well. Like you've got this like ancient earth and you've got these dinosaurs that were created by fallen angels. And if there's a deluge coming in that pre Adamite world, you know, they could have portaled them off just like the Nephilim got portaled off and they're in this whole other realm. And then maybe they are coming in and out of these portals. And that's why we're still seeing them. Cause you know, you can see these pterodactyl like creatures still in like Pennsylvania where they are flying around. Yeah. They pop up right all it's over so the crazy, planet. but you, doesn't it make sense though that you're seeing more of the flying kind than you are of the kind that would be on the ground? Because the ones on the ground would pop in and out quickly because they would understand that hey, we're not trying to be seen. Whereas the ones in the air are like, well, I don't care if you see me. There's not much you can do in this short span of time. So that's why they're able to do that. I I think that's I, mean, I yeah that's what I'm thinking is that that. I mean, birds think about it, like you just said, like vultures don't care when you see them flying in the air because there's right. not a lot you can do. Uh, you know, even a, a big theropod, these big meat-eating dinosaurs, predators aren't dumb. Predators don't pick fights that they can't win, especially in new areas. So I can definitely see why they would retreat much faster to a familiar area than trying to stick around in the Yukon, especially when it's cold. When they may have been coming from somewhere that uh, they'd been a little nicer. You imagine popping in and now you're in the middle of the Yukon in the middle of winter 
And after you eat that elk, you're like, well, this sucks. I'm going back home. But no, it's, it's, it's weird. And like Sean said, these species that disappear, the coelacanth is the famous one. There's, you know, the most famous one out of all this, but it's not the only one by any long shot. But they disappeared for, I believe it was 175 million years from the fossil record. Now, I know I don't agree with the time scale fully, but as far as modern paleontology classifies it, it's like 175 million years or something like that. And then they, they popped up in 1912 and we found a couple of them. And then we found three untouched colonies hmm. of them all around the planet out of nowhere near. Here's the thing with what Sean's saying, though, why it really speaks is they were near popular fishing grounds. They were near historic fishing grounds. So for them to randomly start popping back up again, uh, scientists kind of today put it as a population boom. They may have been po- like, let's say for the last 30 years, they were in a downslope. And then that year they were in an upslope or whatever. So now they were coming into new areas where the nets could get them. Or like you're saying that coelacanths are really good at finding these little holes, these little portals and being like, well, let's go travel around time. And it's probably that's like the like horseshoe crabs. They've been around for 350 million years. Uh, They're one of the few things that are older than well, they're right at almost the same age as jellyfish and they're just a little younger than mushrooms. So it's crazy to think about that those animals have survived and they've disappeared from the fossil record and pop back up and disappeared and pop back up and disappeared and pop back up. Uh, but yeah, so there's all these, Nick, that's hundred percent, right? There's all these animals that just kind of avoid. So when we start seeing dodos, you know that they found a portal, but is that from them finding the portals and going through them? Or is that somebody humans possibly going through portals and manipulating the timeline? And then these animals that are back are a byproduct of that manipulation. There's a guy, 350 million years ago picking up horseshoe crabs and throwing them through a portal no but he could have stepped on something and then that changed the whole timeline for their future and now they're just back and they didn't go extinct you know just mm. created some conditions where mm. they lived time travels too let me ask too you funky. this you were talking just about in and out of portals about. what do you think about tasmanian tigers doing something like that i think i just you don't just think, think they never went extinct uh i think they're yeah well Keep in mind, they had a bounty on it right. for 50 years. And it was like, let's say like 15 bucks. So to a poor Australian farmer, mm. it was a good chunk of money. Uh, and they are, they, they are seen on mainland Australia still. So cool thing about Australia, and it has the largest undocumented rainforest on the planet. On the planet. Uh, that's where we think Megalania, the giant Komodo dragon, still lives. Because you can't go there. Because literally, the plants will kill you. The insects will kill you. You can't, and you're so far away from any kind of medical center. But for the Tasmanian tiger, is it, uh, there was a species that was brought to the brink of extinction due to hunting by humans. They were already a shy animal. So you have this thing that's called like general, uh, or it's genetic, like, uh, I'm forgetting the word. Oh, gosh. A genetic disposition to avoid humans at all cost. You know, it's breeding these animals that are more, more hidden, more secretive. Uh, but we're still getting pictures of them. We, we never stopped getting pictures of them. We never, it's not like uh, the last, I think they were declared fully extinct in like 1978 or something like that. And then there was a picture of one like four years after that. And they're like, oh, this is the last one. And then there was pictures of them in the 90s. And they're like, uh, maybe there's still one left. And then it's like, people don't think that they're still bringing that always. That was crazy to me. Just because you don't see them. I mean, we have all kinds of animals we don't see that we know they're there. I mean, I, I dealt with endangered species for a living and you d- they're there. You just don't find them. 
I mean, if you're smart, you know, but I just think they never went extinct. You know, when you're talking about the animals that may have gone extinct through to mass extinction events, that's a little different uh, rather than selective hunting. Like um, animals are smarter than well, we, like we give talk, them credit know. for as well. Like, I think uh, we talked about oh, this yeah. too Tons. the other day with uh, AI. Like, we were just saying, like, it's true. Like, humans saying, oh, well, they don't talk, so they can't communicate. And there's so many intelligent animals that communicate very well and that have lived a lot longer than hum- like than humans on this earth. You know what I mean? So they kind of run the place. And because they communicate differently doesn't mean they ha- don't have their own st- sense of intelligence. It's the same as those people that go to, you know, collegiate uh get collegiate awards and they're like oh you know i have a master's and so i know everything but there's so many different ways of expressing uh intelligence especially with elephants uh you know primates uh, primates obviously and there's probably other ones that are strategically staying away from us like you said if they're smart enough to know like hey if we go over here even deer know like hey enough to sense oh, like yeah. hey th- there's a lot of hunters over here is there dumb deers too of course just like there's smart people and dumb people so for that like turkeys turkeys here in the u.s they disappear the day before turkey season starts that's a genetic knowledge or even learned knowledge like okay you know they'll be strutting for like hunters practicing the day before and then when it's that friday everything disappears and it's like, oh, turkeys are dumb. How do they know that, you know, is it just, it's just coincidence. No, they remember that every year at this time, they start getting shot at. So now it's time to stop making all this noise and just kind of sit for a couple of weeks and let the season, because it's like, they'll start coming back out right when season's over. And it's not because the people are there, because people are there before and after, you know, it's just, yeah, people don't give animals enough credit. I mean, uh, the only reason the humpback whales haven't took over the planet is they don't have hands. And the only reason octopus don't take over the planet is because they don't live long enough. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It's like a little cap that was put in on them for that purpose. It's like, yeah, you guys are really cool. Like yeah. God's sitting there creating. He's like, but, you know, I know what's going to happen if I give you the full length <laughs> of time. Uh, I was thinking about this too, Justin, how you said that these mass level extinction events. And I've been thinking a lot about that lately and how that I don't know if there's ever been a mass level extinction event. I think the events existed, but I think some of these things got out in portals or went underground in these massive caverns like you talk about or even Hollow Earth or however you want to view it. I think that that's why you keep seeing these creatures keep reappearing through time. And then they're said to be different things depending on the time period or whatever the people of that time period would say that they were. Whereas I think maybe these dinosaurs were dragons. And and I I agree with you too, Justin, because you've said that you think that dragons could be different and i think I just like there could be on you. a correlation there but i think throughout time they've just been called different things and i think they go into hiding and i do think this whole like portaling system this time travel uh that exists in in those spaces is how a lot of these creatures will get away and go to another place and then repopulate or maybe they started in that other place and then migrated here in, in different time periods too and i also think when you've got these cataclysms or whatever else it also creates deeper rifts to where these things can come in and out more more easily i think in different times too you know if we're going to talk about the sumerians and every 3,600 years they say there's like a cataclysm or whatever or nibiru comes by here uh you know i think that when these type of events happen that this is where you see a lot of these mergings of different universes and different time spaces and that's why you're seeing you know maybe in these deep places like you said in australia where you know you can't go 
into this undocumented rainforest. I mean, there could be a lot of rifts going on there. It could be portals that just don't close in places like that because of that reason. Nobody's back there. So it's like, hey, we just move in and out. I, I'm all for it. Like, and then I do think like cataclysms do can trigger these natural, like the natural versions of the phenomena, whether it's like the portals opening or maybe even like, I don't know, like we talked about the Terminator, like almost like these little bombs, mm. these little explosions that you kind of grab everything around him, like a little implosion, pull it in and move it somewhere else. I mean, if you look at the Great Dying, which is the one of the seven mass extinctions, but is the hardest, the biggest mass extinction ever documented. Uh, we don't know what caused it. The other ones kind of have some signs, you know, like burning in the atmosphere or whatever. The Great Dying was like 99.8% of all life on the surface died. Like only a couple vertebrates were like, it's crazy. And then, you know, obviously species bounce back or what we're saying here with this time travel that, uh, you know, the Noah's Ark version of these little bubbles popped up and saved some animals. But we don't know what caused those, you know, but that's a lot of energy. Whatever that was that caused every, everything pretty much to die on the surface of the planet. That's a lot of energy being expelled in some way, shape or form. So who's to say that that doesn't cause a whole bunch of these little bubbles to pop up and just grab everything. And it may be even, we talk about the earth being kind of an organism in its own right. It may be a natural defense mechanism of the earth to make sure it sustains life in some capacity of it. Like a meteor hits, like we said, like we think with maybe the dinosaurs. I don't know if I buy that, but it's, is, you know, whatever the theory is, but these mass extinction events, it may be the earth's natural way of being like, okay, I got to grab a handful of species to get through this. You know, I got to save something. It's interesting. Well, stuff. Think about, think right. about these uh, balls of lightning or what we're talking about. And your talk said bubble. When a bubble pops, it doesn't necessarily have to just take one thing. When it pops, maybe all that like goes everywhere. Oh. Anything that that touches takes it. You know what I mean? Any beings, it could take you to where it's trying to take you. It doesn't necessarily just have to be like you're in that bubble floating away. Maybe once you hit it, it explodes like a bubble. And when you, if you pop a bubble, you know that everything goes everywhere and whatever it touches brings it to whatever timeline it's supposed to. 100%. Hmm. All right, that was my little stick. We're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get into some uh, people uh, that have talked about time travel, who I think could be connected to time travel. We're going to break into uh, a little bit of weird here. Uh, but I think there's some validity to some of it. And some of it originally, you would have asked me a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, about one particular subject we'll get into. I wouldn't have gave a lot of validity, um, you know, because of who the person is and and why I think that the agenda was pushed about this person uh, being a time traveler. But the more that I Joe look at <laughs> nah, he's a clone like one of the J's. Sorry. Uh, but he's like one of those really like faulty, faulty versions. Oh. Yeah. He, I was going to say, <laughs> that's uh, a lot of problems like in that wiring. I almost feel like the Biden clones are what the J clones work on just for practice. Like... <laughs> 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 Get the cheap model well, goes the podcast. <laughs> but uh yeah, we'll get into run. this, but I did want to talk about the uh the first time that time travel was actually mentioned in history. And you have to go way back to get into this, but it's in the uh Vishnu Purana, which is uh ancient Hindu text of ancient and medieval text. And 
a lot of scholars disagree about when these texts were actually written, but most people gauge around 300, 400 BC. And it's basically, uh, it talks about uh, Revata. He was the eldest son of a prince and he went to consult the the god Brahma uh, about a suitable husband for his daughter. And he was watching all these singing performances. It was like a big party when he went to talk to Brahma. And he's like, oh, man, this was a great night. And then when he finally talks to Brahma and Brahma's telling him uh, that the third and fourth generation no longer survives, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're you're going back to Earth like time's past. You, you've lost tons of time. We're in like the fourth generation now. So he's basically saying like, your daughter's not alive anymore. Like there's no me hooking her up with the best man. Like while you've been gone, all this time has passed. So this was actually the first like written documentation that we know about, obviously. Like I always say that history has been, you know, cultivated for us to take a certain way. But as far as ancient texts that we know about, that was actually the first time that it was ever talked about. And I always, I just find like the Indian and Hindu stuff fascinating because they've got so much like old earth knowledge and time travel and things like Vimanas and all these different mechanisms. I mean, even talking about mechanical humans in these texts like the Mahabharata where they actually talk about these almost like clones where they create these mechanized or AI back then so I just feel like man something's going on with like Indian and Hindu ancients like they knew so much about ancient technology and they 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 bleed it in with a lot of their gods and everything else and I think that could totally be true too i think that these guides probably existed and they were able to see a lot of these things but i think time travel was part of that and i thought that was just a really cool thing that i was digging around and finding because i've just been doing a lot of research on uh ancient hinduism and a lot of these texts uh like the ramayana and and a lot of this stuff and it's so much technology based in there it's not just like this myth mythological thing that we all think that it is and i thought that was really cool uh when i ran across that uh barbarique having like an arc reactor for a like a heart and then being like almost ai controlled they'd ask him to do a command and he could do it didn't matter what it was greatest yes. warrior of all time so why i guess there's a lot of this stuff with India and that kind of stuff. Why that place in the world? Is there something special well, it's about Middle it? East. So I, I feel like that when you get in that particular realm, you're also dealing where the Hebrews came out and where like first man probably uh, started. And I think that's where you're going to get a lot of, in my okay. opinion, it's just my opinion. I don't know for a fact. I just think that we know that the ancient man, first man kind of came from that area as far as we know, right? That's just what we know. So I think that maybe that's where things originated, where maybe even the Garden of Eden, like I think it was, you know, in a different realm, but I think that's maybe where that rift was there, where people could pass in between uh, our world, that world, maybe even like uh, that the dimensional heaven was in that area too originally. So I think that's just kind of where you're getting, you're going to get more from that area. I mean, you look at Sumerian culture, you look at Babylonian culture, all that comes from that area, right? And I'm not saying that that the Americas don't have a, a deep, rich past, too. I think that it's been hidden 
more than this ancient past and Middle East from us. I think because we're so narrative driven in the Americas, and I say Americas, I don't think just the US, but I just the Americas through Canada, that we're so narrative driven here about what actually happened because the Smithsonian, and I see you smiling over there, J Clone 666, but the Smithsonian was integral in creating this narrative that the Native Americans were the first people here in the Americas. And that's just not true. Like when you start digging into the Moors and a lot of these other theories, I don't think that they were, I think that were they here a long time? Absolutely. But I don't know if they were the first people. And I also think that when you're looking at the middle East and like Egyptian culture, it was over here long before, uh, people want to admit. And I think a lot of that stuff's been covered up. So that's to answer your question in a long way, Justin, I think that's why that you see a lot of these cultures like Indian culture and Sumerian culture, Babylonian culture, Hebrew culture that are talking about a lot of this ancient technology. I just think that's kind of where it originated. I'm not saying that it didn't exist in other parts of the world. Absolutely. It did. Okay. I just, I know, you know, that's not my strong suit, but I've always heard people like talk about that part of the world in this kind of, you know, but never explain like that. You know, I just never knew. That makes sense. I'm too tired to argue. <laughs> so you win. You know, my goal but eventually, I, I really want to travel over to the Middle East and go to some of these places. I mean, that's been one of my lifelong goals is to really, uh, you know, go to Jerusalem, uh, go to some of these places that I'm able to get access to and see some of these things and, 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 and enjoy that part of the culture. Cause I just think it's so rich with stuff that we're just not privy to over here in the States. And I do feel like here in the States a lot and there's brainwashing all across the world, but I do feel like that our pastry our pastry, our history in the past has been really covered up here in the States. And we don't really know what's happened here uh, a lot, man. And I just think it's just, it just seems like it's very narrative driven here more so than some other places a lot of times. Well, I think it's not that it's more narrative driven here. I think it's because we were the blueprint of changing this, like, Hey, let's go erase all this history. You know, like if you look in the Western world in general, not even just the States in the Western world in general, that's the blueprint to kind of like, ah, we don't need to talk about this stuff anymore. Like, kind of, like, get it out of history. I like get it. Rid yeah, of it I all. totally agree with that. Yeah. Like, they talk about mound-building culture here in, in the U.S. They never say who it was. Yeah. Like, if you ever listen, it's like, they don't ever talk about it being one of the Native American groups. They just talk about being mound-building culture. Well, who were the mound-builders? Oh, we don't Nephilim, know. Nephilim, baby! That's it's what they like, were! I do, like, that's... I'm not even arguing with you on that. I, I'm right there with you on that. That it's the Nephilim, the Giants, you know, whether it's... Nephilim giants are another form of giant or whatever, you know, it doesn't, I do think it was something along those lines because some of the monolithic structures that are on the mounds. So Ohio had eight to 10,000 destroyed in a three year period that we never got to see, but some of them were truly massive. Uh, if you look at the, the, uh, oh, well, those ones Wisconsin, but the dragon back one, people didn't know what it was. There was houses built on it. It was so big that they thought it was a hill. And they built, you know, they built houses on it. And then somebody from the air is like, that really looks like a giant dragon. And then they started working on it. And it was, it was built. It was built to look like that. And people didn't know because there was, you know, a forest grown on it and whatever. But that's really off topic. And that's, I don't even know if these uh, were mounds to begin with or if they were something else. And whenever the flood happened, buried everything. There's a dragon down there? I mean, maybe not a dragon, but it could have been a building built as a 
I'm just picking on and you. And then it's flooded and buried over time, and then what we're left with is the mound. Call it just covered, and you start digging into it, and you don't know what you're really going to find because maybe it was built that way intentionally, but maybe kind of Mother Nature over time left it that way. That and the glaciers, nobody talks about that, is that a lot of those mounds are built at, during, and right after the glaciers. So if you have a whole culture, that may have just been the biggest thing that was left that survived. Right. Exactly. Everything else was rubbed flat. You know, we're talking about this, you know, some of these glaciers were a mile high. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like Serpent's Mountain is famous because it's literally right where the glacier stopped. But what, if, what was, you know, 100 years before the glacier got there, what was, you know, three miles into the glacier that got crushed? There's all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, glaciers are pretty good at wiping away most of history under a giant grindstone. Right. Way off topic. Sorry, no. guys. That's what happens when all my brain good, starts deflating. Good. So I'm going to move to a guy who everyone talks about when it comes to time travel, H.G. Wells. So I really want to talk about he was the first one that coined the term time travel and everybody kind of ran with it. Uh, what a lot of people don't know about H.G. Wells is that H.G. Wells was very connected to what we would consider the Illuminati or Freemasonry. So he talks about this a lot uh, in his books. Uh, he is future predictions, which a lot of them came true in his fictionalized books, which I find fascinating. And then he's got a whole book about time travel on top of it. So it's almost like, you know, we could say that he was privy to the knowledge behind the scenes with these Freemasonic groups and what they wanted to push the agenda. And I, and I can totally get down with that, but we're getting weird today. So I wanted to maybe delve into the possibility that he at the very least understood time travel and that maybe that there were people going future to the past that were giving these people information about how that they could operate to subjugate us. Uh, you know, he wrote the world set free. He predicted the atom bombs and the effect of nuclear war. This was in 1913. Um, he also talked about the NWO would come about by the elite controlling the air and sea lanes, as well as energy production, which they've already done that too. Uh, he predicts modern warfare, the bombing of London, atom bombs, the League of Nations he, he brings up, stealth fighters over Iraq, space flight. Just so many things that were futuristic for that time period. I mean, he's known as the guy that first created a uh, science fiction. That's really where the term science fiction came from was from H.G. Wells. So we always talk about in any kind of entertainment or media because books were media back then. They, we didn't have TV. They didn't have radio like that. It was all books and it was, you know, what they could get out in something someone could read. So the fictionalized stuff was done in uh, book form and he was the one to really push like this fictional form of science fiction and there were a lot of concepts that he puts out that end up being very true and we were talking about the league of nations he was a major player that helped create the league of nations uh he also really pushed the russian revolution um he was 
big with uh, FDR in the U.S. and Stalin with the whole Moscow thing. He was actually a big Stalin fan on top of that. Uh, he did a book called Open Conspiracy. That was the name of the book. And he talks about bringing the NWO and he was advocating uh, for those things, this this technocratic future. That's what a lot of these guys do that, that people don't understand. Uh, the, the, the Wells and Huxley's and these guys, they were all part of these secret societies. They were all a part of these things that, uh, that created what we now know is our future now, which is, which is really crazy. Uh, when you talk about, you know, H H G Wells, um, you know, he was a part of what they called the plan. You know, he pushed, uh, books like anticipation and things to come, uh, where again, he was talking about new world order as if it was already self-evident, like it was already there. Um, one of the really craziest things that he actually talks about, uh, there was a book that he wrote called The Inexperienced Ghost. It was like more of a short story. And in there, he talks about a guy named Sanderson who is a Freemason. And he's a member of the Lodge of the Four Kings. And basically in that, uh, he talks about the esoteric branches of masonry and how it needs to be integrated into society. So he was he he pushed this esoteric occultic knowledge in conjunction with technocracy and time travel. So all this stuff is melded in together and is pushed as fiction to everybody that reads it. But really, he's just laying the blueprint. He was a part of the blueprint, the original blueprint of what we consider the new world order today. He pushed that. Now, again, on a basic level, yeah, he could have just been a part of these secret societies that he knew what they were pushing this agenda. And he's like, this is what we want to do in the future. But he just seemed to have just this uncanny knowledge of technology that wasn't even out yet. Now, maybe they had the technology behind the scenes already, but where they get it? Maybe it was time travel. Maybe they are sending people to the future and then bringing them back to the past. And then he already knew he was a part of this. I don't know. It's just something to think about. It's really weird when you started digging into H.G. Uh, Wells. I was just going to say H.G. Wells is just one of many uh, people, you know, we put into the public's, you know, uh, domain so everyone can consume their their thoughts and their material just to, you know, kind of prime your mind for what we want to come in the future. We as in, you know, uh, collective humanity, of course. Mm. The good of all humanity. You just, you need these, you need these people in place to help control the timeline, to set it up for what's supposed to happen. It's called put, it's called pulling a biff. You know what I mean? You got to be biff for Back to the Future. You know right, what I mean? You yeah. Gotta... <laughs> you need that. We have the almanac in our back pocket. The sports almanac. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. If you know, you know. Soft disclosure. <laughs> Close 666 speech right there was pretty creepy. Justin, you look a little scared sitting there. Just a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, that to me... I think H.G. Wells, just in my opinion, after digging through it, and the best part about it is when you dig into him being a Freemason, there are, there's a lot of evidence out there, but there's no actual like 
pinpoint proof. And they say that that's for sure why he was in these secret societies, because a lot of these guys that are very deep in these secret societies, they wanted to push as not being a part of those secret societies. There's even no evidence of him actually being involved with anything occultic outside of the fact that he wrote about it all the time. So like he never... He never was in like any of these groups doing it. Like Aleister Crowley, we all knew about it. He promoted it. We knew that he did it, but H.G. Wells didn't. But he talked about he talked about esoteric knowledge and all these hidden knowledges and, and all these things in his books. So, but then he disguised it as fiction, and he was friends with these mm-hmm. guys like Orson and Aldous Huxley. He was friends. They were all they all rolled in the same circles. So I feel like that these fictionalized books were put out as blueprints of what they were going to do to us. And maybe they had some sort of knowledge through time travel, maybe even moving in and out dimensionally and understanding different spaces because they just had a different, just a different knowledge when they're writing this science fiction that is now a lot of it truth. It's factual things that are actually been created that we use in our daily lives. Well, it's nudging the public mm-hmm. to go for that. Because oh, when you put it in the ether like that, like sometimes someone will create something or it will inspire them. Like you said, it's a blueprint, not just for like, hey, we're going to try to do this. But sometimes it makes it easier for people to like fall in line because they're nudging them. They're like, oh, man, where did I hear this before? You don't realize if you read it or watched it or heard it that is where it gets into the subconscious and you either obey or you could even participate, right? Like, cause you might be interested in certain technologies and that might push you and that helps them cause they can't do it all by themselves. They need people to believe in this stuff or it can't exist. Mm-hmm. I think, I think too, belief is key. Like if you, if the mind doesn't believe it and then the collective, you know, the majority of people don't believe it, it will you know, never take to fruition. It won't happen. It's all collective thought that majority needs to believe it. So it's a lot easier to accept and manipulate people when a mass of them already believe these things that are being said or told. It's in their, it's in their consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bugs are good. They're higher in protein. You know, they take up less space. It's good for you. It's like stop eating you know, red meats and chicken, and that's a waste of time and energy and polluting the air. It's bad for the planet. Bugs. Hey, that's just that uh, clones malfunction. You might want to give a little hit on the. <laughs> might want to do the old uh, slam the TV in the side of the TV. It's uh, fix it. Tune it in. <laughs> so I'm going to move to this other guy, and then we'll move to the last little centerpiece that I think is uh, one of the most interesting things. Uh, so John uh, Titter uh, was one of the guys that was brought up who in 2000, 2001, um, came out on these post-to-post forums Uh, Art Bell's post-to-post forums as a time traveler from 2036. Now, he made a lot of like numerous and vague uh, predictions regarding calamities that were coming. Now, a lot of these calamities didn't take place, right? They, they, They didn't according to how he said that they would. Now, the biggest question, though, with John Titter was when he was did a little stop by here because that was what he said that he did. He said he did a little stop by because he went back in time to 1975 to retrieve an IBM 5100 computer 
And he said it was needed to debug various legacy computer programs in 2036. And apparently his grandfather worked on that specific model back then. So that's how he had a connection when he was able to go back and he was able to get one of those devices and bring it back to 2036. Now, he did say that his stopover in 2000 when he popped up was for personal reasons and he was going to collect pictures that he lost during the Civil War that was coming. The really cool thing about this whole thing, and listen, there's a lot of holes in it, especially with uh, uh, what he was predicting was going to happen because we're way past a lot of stuff he was predicting. But he did break down what was in his uh, time traveling device. He said it was two magnetic housing units for dual micro singularities, an electron injection manifold to alter mass and gravity of micro singularities, a cooling and x-ray venting system, gravity sensors, a variable gravity lock, four main cesium clocks, three main computer units, and it was all installed in the rear of a 1966 Chevrolet Corvette convertible. Very uh, back to the futuristic uh, with with some sort of sports car. Uh, It was later uh, that he moved it into a 1987 truck with a four wheel drive. So I don't know what happened when he made that layover in 2000 that he needed to switch it over uh, to that. Now his predictions, he had an upcoming civil war in the United States. It was going to do with order and rights. He said it was, it started in 2005 after civil unrest surrounding the presidential election of that year. Uh, he said the civil conflict was characterized as having a Waco type event every month that steadily gets worse. And it was going to rut by 2008. Now there was a big uh, financial crisis in 2008. He goes on and on about how there's different uh, things that escalate uh, all the way up until like, I want to say 2020, something like that, 2019, 2020. Again, a lot of these things didn't happen or come true. Now, the thought pattern, though, is that when he came back, that he alleviated some of those things from happening. That was kind of the point that instead of them happening, what he did actually worked, that he was able to connect with people uh, during that time and it stopped those events from happening and it pushed them all the way out. So he actually did achieve what he came back in time to achieve. And that's why these things didn't happen. So in actuality, if you look at it from that angle, maybe he was real and maybe he did stop this stuff from happening. Now with Titter, I do remember I've, I've looked into him before because i was i would laugh at the last name every time uh one of his predictions he got right was a tornado hit a certain trailer park on yep. a certain day and i always i always laugh because i'm like well that's a pretty safe bet because it was in oklahoma and he's like a tornado will hit somewhere in tornado alley on this day and it hit a trailer park it's like that's their natural <laughs> enemy <laughs> like of course it's like yeah great white shark's gonna eat a seal today you never heard there's no such thing as tornadoes Oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess I didn't. <laughs> Chuck Norris oh. just hates trailer parks. <laughs> Justin's over there like, Chuck Norris, poor. <laughs> <laughs> no tornadoes, huh? All right. This oh, cone's getting gosh. a little out of control for me. <laughs> <laughs> tornadoes aren't real, guys. Sorry to break it to you. No, but I really do believe that. I mean, they talk about the butterfly effect, right? That's a... Once you go there, like Mm -hmm. that automatically could alter it anyways. Like I've always said that just in general with your energy, like if I don't go to a party and something happens, I guarantee you if I went there, that wouldn't have happened because there would have been a different energy that was there that would have been 
pumping through that building. And I think it's the same thing, not just your energy, but like, who knows? Like, not even just connecting with people by passing by people, man. Like, it could be somebody that was going to be, a, 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 you know, the next Hitler or a mass shooter and you walk by them and acknowledge them and they're like, wow, that's the first time. Those little things can, I, I truly believe, could alter history tremendously just like i always tell people when the when they listen to the podcast it's like it's not about you necessarily it's who are you inspiring right like you can inspire the next great leader or next great thinkers and critical minded people instead of just hoping that it's just me and like that's the the whole process of this right it's more subconscious it's not like our main focus but that's the focus is like hey we could connect to more people and then they could be the people that take this the next step further yeah, I completely agree with you, Sean. I, I, I like that a lot. And I think the butterfly effect could come into play. And maybe Titter was real. Maybe the whole Titter thing was real. And that his whole effect was this butterfly effect to stop this stuff from happening. I'm putting it out in the ether. People are already thinking about it. Even if it's a small group of people, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It could be one person. You just changed the effect of what's going to happen from this timeline. You know, I'm sure the TVA was like hunting him down during this time and like trying to take him back. He already he already put it out there. He already put it out in the ether. Uh, again, there were some things that came out that made me think that maybe it was true because one of the one of the things that came out right after was that it was a big hoax. And they actually said who the hoaxer was. It was supposedly John Rick Barber. And uh, he was a computer scientist and in conjunction um, with his brother, Larry Haber, and he was a Florida entertainment lawyer. And apparently they created this in 2009. But I found that interesting because this comes out in 2009, right after the 2008 crash, and Titter is now labeled as a big fraud. And I always seem when the mainstream is pushing something as a fraud, it starts making me think like, maybe it's not, maybe it's not a fraud at all. Maybe they're just pulling these names out of a hat and they're saying, these are the guys that created this when actually Titter was real all along. And maybe he, he did achieve his ultimate goal. He got, he got the uh, computer that he needed to get to take back the future. By the time he got back to the future, the future was vastly different from when he left it because that was his whole goal of coming back was changing it well a lot of the theories too of like that quantum travel the quantum computer with the tyler ai you know like that tyler ai was a huge um thing in the community for a while where people were talking about that this was an ai from the future and they were talking about time travel it's more ai and the human consciousness and then it's like then it goes to like do the human consciousness passing through other vessels or meat sacks like you like to call them you know what i mean we, mm. we don't know how that goes either like are these time travelers uh, fallen angels or different time traveling ghost entities spiritually like their soul or their consciousness goes into these meets because all we're seeing is just like the outer the out uh, yeah. you know our bodies and our flesh that doesn't mean what's actually traveling they could be traveling through these ethers which could be this ai um technology or some sort that's just something that i kind of like i hear people saying that and then like you know there was some good kind of connection sometimes but then you know then they got really into the whole q thing you know like the it kind of got I me a got little a off, really off topic interesting theory so we we're talking about parallel universes and what that could mean so you know i've talked to tony several times about uh psalm 82 one where it says uh elohim judge the elohim and 
he, they basically weren't doing their jobs. What if these Elohim like run universes and you've got like Yahweh who runs it all, who created it all, but you've got these Elohims and maybe some of them are like screwing up these universes. And maybe that's why he got pissed off because you've got, think about it. If he's got certain, you know, hierarchy of people doing their jobs and you got this divine council, but you've got multiple universes and parallel universes. What if that's like some of these guys ain't doing their jobs right? Like, hey, man, screw up all universe. Like, you know what I mean? And like, hey, there's checks and balances all the way to the top. So I, I just thought that that was that was an interesting thought, too, man, that really just hit me because we've always wondered what those Elohim's jobs were. Because you got fallen angels, you got angels who directly have contact with human beings and are, are all, you know, integrated into our world in a different way. But what if these like Elohim, these other gods are like, hey, your job is just to maintain this, like maintain this universe. And then they're just like screwing it up. I love it. You change it that they're middle management. Yeah. <laughs> the translation is their middle management. Wrong, man. I don't know. It's 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 it kind of it just kind of hit me there because I've always that's been that thought. Like, what were they doing? And it just kind of struck me right now that hey, maybe this is what they're doing, and maybe some of them are allowing time travel that shouldn't be happening to. And he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, it's time for me to step in. Like you said, CEO's got to come down. <laughs> you like, check yeah. the store out. Hey, man, you're right. Hey, these, this stuff on the shelf isn't right, man. You need to have somebody running this right here. Like, yeah, it's just it's just a thought. But uh, yeah, to the last guy, and this has been the most interesting one to me. And again, initially, I wouldn't have gave a lot of credence only because of how it came out and who it came out from. But I always reserve the right to change my mind as I do research. And one of the things that I do know is a lot of times when something's being pushed, there is some truth to it. There's got to be some layer of truth to it uh, that that makes it a, a, a valid uh, story. And it's Donald Trump being a time traveler. And I don't know if you, you are fake heard... news. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump's a yes, time traveler. So this was a big piece of the QAnon uh, movement when it came out around 2016. Uh, but there are some wild stories that kind of add up and it's really weird. And it's going to start with Ingersoll Lockwood. He was an American author and lawyer. He published two children's books and one short pamphlet in 1890 and through 1896. So he published the first book, The Travels and Adventures of Little Baron Trump and his wonderful dog, Bulger, which then followed up with 18, in 1893 with Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey. The last quote-unquote book, which is that pamphlet, was called The Last President. And all these can be found online. You guys can go check them out. It's very interesting. Even, even some of the pictures. You said 1890s? Yes. 1890s. So from okay. 1890 Sorry. to 1896, these uh, three pieces of art were put out. So it follows, the first two books follow a young boy named Wilhelm Heinrich Sebastian von Trump, and they call him Little Baron Trump. And he comes from a very wealthy family that lives on Fifth Avenue in New York City, and it's called Trump Castle. And that is in this book. So if you do anything about the actual Donald Trump, he lives on Fifth Avenue and a place called Trump Tower. 
So Little Baron and his dog, Bulger, they go on a bunch of wild adventures and they travel through dimensions in time with the help of a mystical character called Don Fum. And Fum helps them find the portal to his world within a world and no lying leads them to Russia. (laughs) And again, this is the late 1800s. We're talking 1890 to 1896 when this comes out the final novel or pamphlet was called the last president and it starts with a scene in new york city it's in chaos police officers in the streets are trying to calm down the rioters mobs are organizing and a bunch of anarchists and socialists and they threaten to plunder the houses of the rich who have wronged them for many years and this is at fifth avenue hotel And if you know anything about the Fifth Avenue Hotel is where Trump Tower stands and these anarchists and socialists are pushing against this tower in the book. So that in itself is really weird because you've got a character called Trump. And if you look at the pictures in the book, which I have, and you look at pictures of Trump as a kid, the drawings look even similar where it's like, man, that's kind of it's kind of strange. And maybe that's a reach. But the way I was looking at it is like, man, they do look very similar. So just the fact that we're talking Fifth Avenue, the fact that we're talking about uh, Little Baron Trump. Now, one of the things that people were wondering about was the dog situation, because Trump never had dogs. He didn't want anything to do with dogs. And that was something that people talked about. But when he became president, they got a golden doodle named Patton. And that was his first dog. And he was in love with this dog. Like, apparently Trump loved this dog to death. Well, people are like, well, his name's not bulge uh, or, or, or bulger but here's the crazy thing so the dog's name's Patton. george Patton is an american military captain who was an instrumental factor in the u.s victory at the battle of the bulge during world war ii so you can even connect the bulge to bulger even in that aspect so people are wondering okay okay this is kind of weird but how does this How could Trump be a time traveler? This gets weirder. John Trump was the uncle of Donald Trump, who was an engineer, and he worked for MIT at the time of Nikola Tesla's death. Now, these are facts you can look up. When Tesla died, the federal government confiscated all of Tesla's work, and they hired a group of scientists and engineers to help them decipher the notes. Trump was one of them chosen for the task. In doing this, John Trump got access to all of Tesla's work, actually confiscated all of his work himself. All of it disappeared. And he said that he found the methodologies of time travel in Tesla's work, but he didn't have the means to make it happen. So he passes this time traveling information, all of Tesla's work to Donald Trump. He gives it to his nephew. And he's hoping that when Trump's old enough, that they will he will have the access to the technology to be able to time travel. Quiet, quiet. So in <laughs> so in this, that's how Trump got access, according to this story, got access to time traveling uh, machinations from Tesla himself. 
And this is absolutely true about the whole That's Tesla thing. Like I, I went down that whole rabbit hole a while ago and it, it is like, that is a huge connection. And Patton is like one of the most famous generals and of the battle of the bulge is like, Anybody that's really heavy in the military knows about that. The connections are definitely there, but I also think, I think it's like where like the other people got it wrong. Like where they're saying like, Oh, this is his, the savior. I almost think it's like a different thing. This is how they figured out how to like integrate even further into the, uh, the, the working class psyche of being able to like, dominate right the where these bloodlines can further dominate by manipulation that's what i think i think it was just a better tool to help manipulate mm-hmm. i completely agree mm-hmm. this is I completely this is crazy agree. it's almost like like they're giving you breadcrumbs and you fought, you just eat it up and it it all adds up so it must be true what was the name of the author that did the little pamphlet well he did in the two 1890s? books and a pamphlet ingersoll lockwood and you books, get access sorry. to the books, man. You get them online and they got all the because they're children's books. So there's pictures in there, too, except for the last thing, which was a pamphlet. Do you think instead of him particularly having time travel or, or I, I just don't know how to wrap my head around it, that it's like premonitions. And that's why there's little tiny details off, like the battle of the ball, like the balls, you know, but the fact like, that the book itself, because that seems like a premonition thing where he's like, themselves were about time travel. That was what the real piece that that connected okay. to the actual time traveling it was that the books weren't just about little baron trump and his dog it was about him and his dog time traveling into these worlds within worlds that's what okay. where the piece of the time travel piece comes from and it gets a little weirder and this is where i think the occult comes into play because the occult always comes into play with these elites and i totally agree with you sean when it comes to trump that he's part of the plan but not in the way that these QAnons thought it's a part of the plan in that he is a part of the system too, but he's created as a savior. But I think that maybe he did time travel and I think there's a cult means to it. So if you know anything about Pepe the frog, so everybody knows about Pepe the frog, how he's like the big meme. You always see the frog when it comes to QAnons, when it comes to the nines, when it comes to Trump, you see it everywhere. Well, Keck is what they call the frog. Now, Keck is actually an Egyptian god. He's part of the four pairs of deities, and this is during uh, the Egyptian Ogdawad, which I actually talked about the Ogdawad uh, maybe on the first episode of Shadowband Syndicate because I actually broke down a lot of the different gods from that. And Keck, or Kekui, started out with the head of a serpent, but as it morphed even in that culture of egyptians he had the head of a frog and in every culture after that that had a version of keck even the greco-romans it was a frog-headed man um you go down the line they all had this keck character and keck is always associated as the god of chaos Keck or Keku, he's the god of chaos and he's got these magical abilities that seemingly connect to any of this time travel and check this out how they evoke keck 
they repeat integers or dubs, basically chant mantras, which I've been screaming about for I don't know how long right now. These mantras that can evoke these entities to do certain things. So my my take is this: we could we could talk about time travel devices all day, which I think could totally exist. But maybe these fallen angels or these entities are tied in with this technology, or even tied into portaling time travel and this kek demon this kek fallen angel or whatever you want to call him this entity is tied directly in with trump tied directly in with this time traveling piece when it comes to the QAnons, because it just makes sense that you got certain entities over certain things that are created and maybe kek is a part of this organization that's being pushed and this goes directly to what sean's talking about trump's a part of this negative agenda but he's being promoted as the savior and maybe he did maybe he got this technology which we all know is absolutely true his uncle had the tech technology from tesla he was able to make it work he went back in time who knows who he connected with back in time to shift this narrative and maybe that was the point of time travel maybe it was just to shift the narrative maybe to make him into the savior because look at even the simpsons predicted that he was going to be president this is nothing new like and what and mm-hmm. what does growing have access to at this point james cameron some of these guys that are putting up these movies and these tv shows maybe they have access to time travel as well I mean, it just makes sense, man. And the more that I thought about it, because I used to blow it off when they say Trump was a Trump was a time traveler, because I just can't stand the whole QAnon movement. But the more I dug into it, I'm like, there's some validity to it. It's just not how you think. It's not how you're thinking that it is. He's not your savior. Yeah, they present him as I am the chosen one. He says it himself. You know what I mean? But man, I over there I could see that that J Clone six 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 was just. I'm gonna come. Don't be rude. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you just connect demons to ancient aliens to no, ancient the Nephilim to ancient Egyptians to Pepe the Frog to Donald Trump to time travel? Yes. Was that that line? I <laughs> need a drink. Hey, and I'm, I'm not saying it does it. The problem is, is I'm on two hours of sleep and that that's a lot. And I'm about to tie it back in to what you and Sean oh, started gosh. with the lightning balls. It all ties back into this right here. Mm. Chicago in 2016 during the first round of primaries when Trump won the primaries at his Trump Tower, lightning hit the Trump Tower when he was pushed over in the primaries. So he won the primaries and it got struck Gosh. with lightning at the same time. There's actually videos of it. And Chicago in 2020, in his final presidential debate, which According to Sean, he threw that debate on purpose so he would lose. That's why he didn't do all the things he did in 2016. Lightning hits Trump Tower again, which appeared to be three simultaneous bolts of lightning hit at the exact time he finished the presidential debate. So in two key points when he's moving to his ascension to become president and he's moving to his ascension, his descension to not become president, Trump tower gets hit by lightning, lightning balls, baby. I could do it. I could tie it all together, baby. I could do it. (laughs) Okay. 
I need that as a t-shirt. We gotta have lightning balls, <laughs> dinosaurs, 1890s book, <laughs> Donald Trump, <laughs> Pepe the Frog, Egyptians, demons, Nephilim, and then a circle going back oh, just, to lightning Just bolts. have the uh, the the what's Four it called horse. the iceberg meme you know what i mean trump at the top and then you have it. oh yeah there you go <laughs> oh, yeah or the vince mcmahon one where he's the vince mcmahon meme where it gets like progressively more like oh, excited. God, that's one of my favorite memes ever oh gosh well, love that meme man. this, re- this right here reminds me of justin right now because his brain's all mush uh understanding time travel wait okay i know here's what we do we just go to the time machine then when i get back to the past i tell her not to do the experiment then she won't even be here that'll work right uh, no, she already is here so that must mean i didn't go back in time right no but hold on it just means i haven't done it yet Okay, so I go back and I tell her not to do the experiment. Then I won't have to do it either because she won't be here. Then I won't have to come back. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That's about accurate. It, it is hard to wrap your mind around when you really try to focus on it. I, I thought I had a little bit of an understanding until Joel just said that. <laughs> and I need a nap. <laughs> that's, I'm going to go back to talking about wildlife now. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm tapping out, kids. Stop it. This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Somebody on our meme page, on Crimson of the Corn podcast meme page, somebody needs to make that meme for us, please. Yeah, I, we have some very talented yes, meme artists. I would love to see it, and we'll all share it if you do uh, it. If you can get all those things into one meme. <laughs> Joe just dropped the Do hammer it. and came in like... <laughs> <laughs> time is now jumped out of nowhere man he just uh started Did you hear especially because i like that connection he was like the Wait time is now <laughs> <laughs> because it makes sense with that whole lightning travel, thing baby. like i think that is the key to something with time travel it has to be like i think with everything else like a lot of stuff you could look up i think that to me through the whole episode the key is something with lightning not necessarily just the lightning balls but lightning in general uh so yeah as either byproduct or as power like it's it's, it's yes. a part of the phenomena i agree with that that it's well i don't know if it's now, i don't know if it can it, be harnessed i'm, it I'm kind of like skeptical i will be honest i am skeptical i like the evidence of a lot of the time travels i've seen but i'm skeptical that it could be harnessed and intentionally i think they want to harness it but i'm still kind of skeptical that they've been able to actually harness it like to be able to strategically send people to specific times you know what i mean i, I obviously there is a lot of evidence that they're you know could be po- that it could be possible that people have done it but it's just I can't see that they harnessed it, especially like with so many random things happening with random time slips. Or maybe they tried it once and they did send people back intentionally and that rift everything and changed everything, right? And then maybe that's why there is so many random uh, portals opening or random things appearing. So there's a lot of things you could go with it. I think I'm at that time travel as in what we just talked about, as in people manipulating. I don't think people can manipulate it. I think it's all manipulation of of data or not i don't know what i'm saying anymore like the manipulation i don't think people are going back in time or forward in time i think they're pretending that they are to get stuff over 
uh, as far as the maybe in the more and maybe more of the natural portals or whatever. I can I guess I can believe in that that dinosaurs are popping up or ancient or I don't know. I don't know what I believe anymore. I'm I'm done. <laughs> this is I can't do it. This is all Atlas's fault. I didn't. I only slept like two hours last night, and now I'm going to be sitting in the wall just staring, talking about time travel. Yeah, I feel like it's like that commercial, uh, that old commercial. Is this your brain on drugs? Like I had that nice frying pan. I just took Justin's uh, yes. brain and just cracked it right in there. And just started <laughs> yeah, fried it up. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen static coming out of his ears. So my hair's like this. Well, guys, this was an absolute blast. Like it is every time we get together. This was a fun, fun episode. Uh, I was actually really super excited going into it. I'm glad Sean came up with this uh, great idea for us to do. Uh, it's always just fun getting together with you four guys and, well, two guys and something that's sort of organically based uh, that happens to <laughs> hang out with us. Right. It's, in, it's a man in a man shape. shape. It's in a man shape. Uh, I, yeah, man, I had a blast. Uh, go ahead and give everybody your good stuff again. You can find us everywhere. You can find podcasts. Join our Patreon. Please subscribe to the YouTube. We're so close to hitting that thousand person mark. And jump onto our website and check out our website and our shop uh, at oh, cryptosofthecorn.com. Oh, forgot the store. You can buy Cryptos of the Corn underwear. Lawn chair documentary, lawn chairs, all that good stuff. You can have, there may even be an option to have a picture of Jay's face on the underwear. Ooh. And you can buy his hair. Uh, I just, we, the, the hair should be on the website officially by the time this goes live. You can sit in your you Cryptids of the Corn chair in your Cryptids of the Corn underwear, just looking up at the sky, seeing what you can see. <laughs> and sniffing <laughs> Jay Clone's hair at the same the time. Jar of Jay's, Jay's hair. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds right off the flap. Fresh off, fresh the, off flap. the flap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could check us out That's at killthebockybirds.com. You can find us on Instagram at killthebockybirds podcast, at Van Tessel Music, at Sean Chris Music. You can find me and Sean any streaming platform musically at Joel Thomas or Sean Chris. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.